This is your hyperbole-free coronavirus update for April 8th, 2020. As of this recording at 1.37 p.m. Pacific time, there are 422,800 coronavirus cases confirmed in the United States of America with 14,473 deaths. The New York tri-state area of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut remains the epicenter with the total fatalities from that region recording at 55% of America's total. It is likely over the next 24 hours that Michigan will become the first state, aside from New York and New Jersey, to cross the 1,000 fatality mark. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster has ordered that all residents statewide should stay at home by law. That was effective April 7th, yesterday at 5 p.m. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the government's top infectious disease expert, said this morning that death projections will likely be lowered considering the effects of mitigation. Quote, although one of the original models projected 100 to 200,000 deaths, as we're getting more data and seeing the positive effect of mitigation, those numbers are going to be downgraded. He said it was unclear exactly to what number it might be downgraded toward. That is your hyperbole-free coronavirus update. President Biden and the path toward victory is virtually impossible. So while we are winning the ideological battle and while we are winning the support of so many young people and working people throughout the country, I have concluded that this battle for the Democratic nomination will not be successful. And so today I am announcing the suspension of my campaign. Please know that I do not make this decision lightly. In fact, it has been a very difficult and painful decision. As you all know, we have never been just a campaign. 
We are a grassroots, multiracial, multi-generational movement, which has always believed that real change never comes from the top on down, but always from the bottom on up. We often hear about the beauty of America, and this country is incredibly beautiful. But to me, the beauty I will remember most is in the faces of the people we have met from one corner of this nation to the other. The compassion, love, and decency I have seen in them makes me so hopeful for our future. It also makes me more determined than ever to work to create a nation that reflects those values and lifts up all of our people. Please stay in this fight with me. Let us go forward together. The struggle continues. For the union makes us strong. Politics, 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 politics. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for April 8th, 2020. My name is Justin Robert Young. Uh, There's really only one story, and that's great because it's not the story that we've been talking about. Finally, something not COVID-19 related dominates a political podcast We're also going to talk about what happened in Wisconsin. Hear from a Wisconsin voter, indeed. We are going to uh, talk to Jack Allison, who I I consider to be, for my money, the most animated Bernie supporter on Twitter, and he is no less animated here on the podcast. And we're going to do uh, another giveaway a little bit later in the show. But of course... The news is this, Bernie Sanders, out of the race, officially suspending his campaign, uh, saying that he is going to be not a, not stand in the way of Joe Biden winning the nomination, but I'm sure in a move that will like be one final thumb in the eye for the Democratic establishment is also not going to remove himself from the ballot of all the subsequent primaries because he wants to have as many delegates as possible to affect the platform at the convention. So he is officially not trying, but he is still asking in these now non-competitive primaries for his supporters to go out and continue to vote for him. Such a Bernie Sanders move. <laughs> it is, it is, uh, in fact, it reminds me of the convention in 2016 when they wanted to have a big show of unity, right? This had been such a long, drawn out battle between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Uh, Bernie didn't officially endorse her until like a couple weeks before the convention. 
So this was the DNC's idea. This was the, the big thing where we could bring everything together. And that would be Bernie Sanders relinquishing his delegates. So it would be unanimous for Hillary Clinton. And he kind of did that. But he like invoked some Robert's Rules of Order thing and, and 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 therefore so it was always preserved in history that he had this gigantic delegate count. But still he got the give Hillary Clinton the moment, which of course she forgot about because she's pooped on him uh, um, so many times. Pretty much anytime anyone's asked about Bernie Sanders since she's had nothing but negative things to say. But in that moment, this is probably the reason why because he can't do the thing. He, need, he is very practical, he's very pragmatic, and he is going to go get his. Because, look, there's a reason why I played Solidarity Forever up front. This is a man who is dead set on one thing. His revolution. That's it. That's what he's there for. And guess what? It inspired a lot of people. Now, was it built to conquer? I mean... Revolutions are pretty all-or-nothing propositions. Are you ready to go lay down your uh, uh, sacrifice, lay down, lay it all on the line so this goal can be achieved? Are you willing to do that? If the answer is maybe, then it's no. So it's all-or-nothing. I'll say this. I didn't go to a Bernie Sanders rally that wasn't bigger than any other rally I saw except for Trump. That was it. Two candidates, regularly packed, man, these are big crowds, Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders. And it's not close, for the record. You know, Pete did okay. Warren did okay. Uh, I haven't been to a Biden rally since he got coronated, but uh, it's, 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 a, it's a sad day for a lot of people. In fact, I'm sure it's a sad day for a lot of you people listening. It's why I wanted to do an introduction that was a little solemn because, and I did another one. This is the second, for whatever reason, I only sound edit for Bernie Sanders. But this is the end of an era. Make no mistake. This is a moment in time that I believe, I've said from the beginning that I believe that Bernie Sanders is Barry Goldwater. And if you know history, the ending for Barry Goldwater was possibly more tragic. But Barry Goldwater inspired a movement that wound up defining the party. And I do believe that there is going to be an element here that, that part of the negatives for Bernie Sanders are that he is very hard-rooted in a very specific way of uh, running. The people inspired by him will not be. I mean, look, some of the people that were inspired by Bernie Sanders are AOC and Andrew Yang. AOC obviously has, has become a supernova. And Andrew Yang, somebody that had no business even being on the stage. And is still commanding attention. There's no doubt that Bernie Sanders is going to bring out a lot of talent. Now, how much that talent adheres to exactly how Bernie Sanders sees things? How many of the pieces of his revolution will be brought forward in the future and, and, and which will be highlighted? I don't know. But 
I can't remember somebody, and history is littered with these characters, but I can't remember one recently that inspired the kind of passion that Bernie Sanders did on the left. And I include Obama. I think Obama was great for the consumers. It was great for the voters. Voters think very, very highly of Obama, and Obama drew gigantic crowds. But who are the Obama legacy? I mean, it's eight years, or sorry, it's four years after he's out of office and Joe Biden's running. The next Obamas are often kind of just looked at as sort of like Obama clones. John Ossoff and, and Pete Buttigieg, right? Beto O'Rourke. They're all these kind of You know, like, like somebody drawing Obama from memory, but white. I think what Bernie has brought out in people, at least in, in subsequent politicians, is not only his fervor, not only the idea that there is gold in them, thar hills, if you are tilting exclusively toward a progressive stance, but also a hostility toward the party and an understanding that this, the Democratic Party, cannot be bargained with. It needs to be conquered. And guess what? That's the lesson of every smart Democrat. That's been the lesson of Carter. It's been the lesson of Clinton. It was the lesson of Obama. Bernie learned it. Bernie went after it. And he fell short twice. You got to wonder, though, if Bernie is Barry Goldwater, then who is the Ronald Reagan? Politics. Quick note here, uh, breaking news as I record this, uh, Linda Tripp, a uh, icon from the Clinton impeachment saga of the late 90s, of course, friend to Monica Lewinsky, secretly taped her conversations with her younger friend about her affair with the president and then advised Monica to save her semen-stained dress. She is dead at the age of 70. This according to her lawyer, Joseph Murtha. No other details have been given no clue if this is a coronavirus thing or if she was sick uh, for, for another reason. We did get a tweet from Monica Lewinsky herself, who, uh, by all accounts, uh, had never spoke to Linda Tripp after her betrayal was revealed. She tweets, no matter the past, upon hearing that Linda Tripp is very seriously ill, I hope for her recovery. I can't imagine how difficult this is. For her family. Um, big podcast recommendation to uh, Slow Burn Season 2. Slow Burn, uh, an amazing, I, I would say probably best in class history podcast uh, put together by Leon Nafok and produced by a friend of mine, Andrew Parsons. Uh, first season was about Watergate, second was uh, the Clinton Lewinsky stuff. Uh, they then went on to do another series uh, that 
I think effectively kind of took over where they were going with Slow Burn. Uh, Fiasco, which is now, uh, it, it is on Luminary, but uh, their first season of Fiasco is free now. That is about the Clinton-Gore uh, situation. And then um, they're uh, just wrapping up an episode of, or a season about Iran-Contra. But in season two of Slow Burn, about the Clinton-Lewinsky stuff, Linda Tripp is interviewed for hours. And and you get Linda Tripp's point of view on stuff. Uh, I thought I found it fascinating. This is a, a really, really interesting uh, situation to re-examine the Clinton and uh, Lewinsky stuff. And Linda Tripp had a view to it that nobody could possibly have, including betraying somebody that she did consider a friend. Uh, a friend that was being taken advantage of by a powerful man, but a friend nonetheless. And uh, she, till, I mean, I guess now we can say the day she died, believed that she was taking care of somebody who didn't know how to care for herself. Almost like a mother. R.I.P. Linda Tripp. There is a lot we don't know about what happened yesterday in Wisconsin. We don't know who won. And for many people, we don't know why it happened. A reminder that Wisconsin is under a shelter-at-home order. Wisconsin apparently felt it was so dangerous to hold a convention in Wisconsin months from now that they pushed it even further. But Wisconsin also apparently found it important that they would have a primary yesterday. And so one of the most curious situations we have seen in presidential politics in a very long time, a primary during a pandemic, actually happened. And this isn't like the ones a few weeks ago where we kind of knew at this point there's a body count. People are dying in Wisconsin as we talk now and as they voted yesterday. So I wanted to get into the mind of somebody that would leave their house and go and vote and what was important to them. And so I found somebody. Well, more specifically, they found me. I introduced to you Tim Merritt. You know, I, oh, Tim Merritt. No, no, no. You mean Tom Merritt. Tom Merritt, the guest host of this very show. Tom Merritt, the podcast impresario who has created the Daily Tech News Show. No, 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 no. Tom Merritt texted me and said, hey, my brother lives in Wisconsin. He just went out to vote. Do you want to talk to him? And I said, Sure. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Tim Merritt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Justin. All right, so this is a, a an extraordinary kind of circumstance here. Uh, pretty much the entire nation has decided to move their primaries, considering we are uh, effectively 90% of America is under statewide shelter or stay-at-home orders. Uh, Wisconsin decided to delay the democratic convention a month but they did not successfully delay their primaries you went out and voted today as we record this on primary day can you explain uh the experience uh sure sure uh so um i live uh in a small rural area just north of green bay uh for 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 me going out today even in the rural areas, uh, I know there's still a lot of apprehension and everything else that's 
uh, kind of persistent among all my friends with going out even just to go to the grocery store or the pharmacy. For So for us to uh, kind of be forced to decide whether or not to go participate in our civic duties uh, was something that we had to kind of think long and hard about. Um, but uh, me and my partner did venture out today. Um, and uh, everything was very well run. Uh, masks were, were available. Gloves were available. Um, uh, social distancing was a really big part of um, how the flow through through the building went. Um, it was very well conducted in my area. I, I do know that some of my friends down in Milwaukee are saying they're having to wait a, wait a little while just because they've had to consolidate the polling sites. Uh, but from our, our experience, everything was fairly well handled. Uh, and and just to give people a sense, in Milwaukee right now there are five open polling places. That is in uh, for a city of six hundred thousand. Uh, in Green Correct. Bay, I'm looking here, there are two, <laughs> two polling places are open for the the town of Green Bay, which is not uh, exactly a bustling metropolis, but but certainly right, right, is right. you know big enough to be on the map. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even even some of my Green Bay friends, which I I do work in Green Bay, um, were were saying that they they had chosen to absentee vote uh, in place of going into the poll. Um, and some of those uh, people that I work with uh, also uh, um, are pollsters or those who who work the polls. So they were having to make choices regarding you know whether or not they even go out and um, assist with the two polling places that are open, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, or, or stay at home and keep their family safe. Uh, so Which, um, that is, that is a crazy decision to make, right? That, it, that, that either it, you're going to volunteer because you believe that, uh, uh, you know, believe in democracy literally because you are going to be the steward of it or uh, uh, ensure that your family's safe. Right. And it, I, I think, you know, Governor Evers did as much as he could uh, to to try to postpone this off, try to handle it in a safe and fair um, uh, mode. But um, obviously, uh, there are those in the state that think otherwise. Well, yeah, let, uh, let's so. actually let's actually get into that for a second, because Wisconsin increasingly and this might be the crown jewel in how contentious politics has gotten in Wisconsin over the past 10 years. Obviously, there's a rich history with Scott Walker and the recall attempts and Paul Ryan being as uh, polarizing as he was when he was still in Congress. Uh, was there a moment where you looked at this situation and said, man, we might be headed to a very crazy outcome here? You know, I, I I remember the days with with Walker, and uh, you know, I I, I also <laughs> throughout my time here in Wisconsin, because I'm not native to Wisconsin, I am a transplant from Illinois, um, but I've lived up here for about 15 years, and as as I have lived up here, I have seen kind of a divide come between the rural and urban areas. Uh, certainly, uh, I've seen. You know, uh, it, things kind of torn apart between friends and so on and so forth. But you know, it it, it doesn't shock me that that this has happened. Uh, yeah. You could kind of see things brewing uh, back in the Walker days that um, 
given the right circumstances, you know, um, there was going to be some obstruction. And um, I guess uh, kind of lost my train of thought there. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll tell you what. I think um, I think that I, I I have a similar situation whenever I have to think about Wisconsin politics because it 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 certainly has become cutthroat, and that was exactly what we saw. Here, not only uh, with a, a Democratic governor and a Republican legislature, but uh, it, it seemed from the outside like you had two sides that were kind of trying to play chicken with each other. And eventually both cars went over the cliff. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way of describing it. Um, you know, uh, getting back to, to what I was, where my thought kind of trailed off there, you know, we, we, we've kind of seen this voter suppression effort uh, in Wisconsin for for a while um especially among uh, down down towards milwaukee so on and so forth with uh the advent of uh photo identification uh, and things of that nature so um you know g- given what we're currently having to experience here today on primary day uh, it, it, something that unfortunately doesn't doesn't shock me all too much as a wisconsin resident well, Tim, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sharing uh, your experience. And uh, uh, please, please, please stay safe. Uh, I, I, I will leave you with this question. Uh, do you think that there should be punishment internally for some of the, the, the folks that led us to this? Uh, is there, I mean, is public shame enough? You know, I, I I think there should be investigation into the root cause of everything from the federal level down. Um, you know, it, you know, what what you're seeing in the states is just symptomatic of what's going on at the federal level, in my opinion. Uh, so I I'd really like to see everything thoroughly investigated uh, once we're through the pandemic, once we've uh, kind of established what our new normal is going to be going forward. Uh, These things really do need to be investigated and people do need to be held to account. Tim, uh, thank you so much. Please stay safe. Thank you. You do the same, Justin. Take care. All right, gang. If you want to make sure that this kind of podcast keeps rolling to you each and every Wednesday, each and every Friday, and if you kick on in at the $3 level, you get an episode on Monday. You get an episode on Thursday as well. Well, there's only one place to go. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, TakePoliticsSeriously.com. I'm not going to get all weepy-eyed. I'm not going to get all mushy. I'm just going to remind you guys that it's only because of your support that while everything else happens, you've given me the safest job in media. They all bow to you now. I hear it. I hear it from other friends of mine that got established jobs. They're all jealous of the support you have given me and so many others on Patreon. Gratitude isn't even a word that encapsulates what this means to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. TakePoliticsSeriously.com And I got behind a little bit. I got behind a little bit, but we do have... One more campaign undertaker giveaway. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren was the next one to drop out. So go ahead on over to this post on the post for this episode coming out on April 8th. And uh, on Patreon, on TakePoliticsSeriously.com, 
and just in the comments, write gong. G-O-N-G, -G, gong. The winner will get all, uh, and we'll probably do multiple winners. They're going to get at least an Elizabeth Warren sign, and Elizabeth Warren had some good swag. You're going to get it. So head on over there, takepoliticsseriously.com. All right, public service announcement. I forgot to tell Jack Allison to not curse. It's on me. I'm sure he would have not cursed if I would have asked him to not curse. But he cursed, and he cursed a lot, and I want to get this out sooner rather than later because obviously this is an evolving story, and I would like for people to have our opinions on it. So if this is something that you are listening to with kids because we haven't had cursing on the show in a while or you just don't want to hear Jack's filth mouth, then please go ahead and fast forward to the end of this interview, which is at about the hour mark. But anyhow, Jack Allison is our guest today. He is uh, a podcast host, a Twitch streamer, and the most animated person I know on Twitter. But with Bernie out, I had to bring him back. Jack, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Justin. Uh, good, to, good to be back. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting day. It is. It is a crazy day. And and for those who have not heard Jack on the show before, uh, uh, I would describe you as uh, one of the more uh, active uh, Bernie Sanders activists, not only on Twitter, but also you went out and canvassed in Nevada and, and Michigan. So when I saw that the campaign was being suspended, one of my first thoughts of like uh, <laughs> uh, the voice of the Bernie Sanders supporter was to, was to give you a text. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, uh, it's uh, uh, it's definitely disappointing. You know, uh, uh, I can't say that I'm like fully surprised. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, uh, uh, held out the flame and everything like that. And I did a little bit. But like ever since like the move got pulled around Super Tuesday, you know, post uh, 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 South Carolina, I, I, I really did think that this is how it was going to go down uh it was kind of just a uh, uh, a matter of time uh and you know it's uh not to say that i'm like happy about it and the state of the state of things is is certainly not very good but uh, uh it didn't come as any sort of grand you know shock to me no 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 i mean i think that the, the die had been cast but if we can yeah. go back just for a second to talk about that centrist voltron that forms yeah. after South Carolina. Yeah. It is one of those things that I think we're going to go back and look at and, and understand for being one of the most unique kind of moments in political history, because so rarely do you see that. So rarely do you see everybody on one side right. actually just marching to the same orders. There's usually somebody's ego gets involved. Somebody, yeah. somebody you know, has I, a rich I, donor I, it, that it says to stay It's very strange still. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it really is, like, odd. Like, it's not, like, yeah, you're right. We will look back on this as being, like, a very unique political moment, but it's also, like, Pete Buttigieg dropped out, like, with more delegates than Joe Biden had. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, this was, like, a, like, political move that they pulled off but I'm like in pulling it off, you end up now with like a candidate who has like 24 percent, you know, enthusiasm, <laughs> even among like his his best supporters. I'm like it, it, it to me. I'm like I, I, I saw it. I, you know, 
you know, I also do think that like I was a, you know, personally, and I don't, I, I wouldn't put this on the movement or anybody else, but for me personally, like I definitely underestimated the continuing influence of like television news, uh, uh, yeah. especially, you know, uh, uh, if they, you know, basically set their minds to something, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think what we, to my mind, what we saw in this primary was, you know, pretty, uh, uh, like a pretty un, uh, uh, unprecedented example of sort of like establishment power being wielded. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, and maybe in, in sort of its last gasps, you know what I mean? Like this might be like the end of that established, like this might be like, you know, uh, uh, like you, this is like the last thing you can do you know what i mean it like pulls everything apart to do something like this uh, um but you know I, and then you know uh, uh we also saw the media you know in uh, uh in 2019 you know it was basically like the sanders doesn't exist campaign yeah uh, uh and then through when he actually started winning uh primaries it was like really drumming up fear about sanders uh um and you know uh there was a a, a pretty concerted effort uh, to do that um but yeah, you know, I I do definitely think that the the centrist coalescing ahead of Super Tuesday is really really strange, and I think does speak to you know when Sanders was 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 winning and you know earlier on in this election there was a lot of discourse around like the Democratic establishment doesn't even exist, and I'm like, well, you know, it like <laughs> does it does, and you know, uh, uh, you can and actually like coming out of this election you can sort of like start you know, to notice and name the like players in the democratic establishment. Like that, I think that was, that, such, this... that was such a strange argument. It, it, it just because number one for a, 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 a party that wants to pride itself on its intellectuals, it really is yeah. just a, a, you know, a very it's ridiculous it's like, concept. You know, we, we... Yeah, it is really weird that we, you know, uh, uh, it is really strange. Just truly really strange to well, like even... try to deny that that exists. Cause even if you want to, Describe the establishment as just the stakeholders in the current party structure. Right. Like that's yeah. that's them. They exist. There are current sure. sitting politicians. There are current people who work at the DNC. There are current sure. people who have came from those power structures that now work right. in the media or work and in look, journalism. I, I would also say that there are even like sort of larger, you know, uh, you know, uh, forces. Like there's the Democracy Alliance, which is a pretty influential uh, um, donor group uh, uh, made up of a lot of billionaires yeah. and also yeah. like Rob Reiner. You know what I mean? And Randy Weingarten is in there, and it's. Like, you know, there's also, you know, groups like SKD Knickerbocker who are running, you know, the Biden campaign, you know, as we speak. And like that's a group kind of like run by people that came out of the Obama White House uh, uh, and out of like, you know, basically Democrat politics. And what they have done that is like sort of spun that into I would say lobbying, but they sort of carve themselves out not as lobbyists, but as PR professionals, um, you know. And then there's also like Perkins Coy, which is like, you know, a super law firm, you know, uh, uh, that represents all of these candidates. Like you when I look at something like a, that coalescing happening in that way without any egos, I'm like, I, I, I mean, it, I don't even think that happens with Obama calling all those people. You no. know what I mean? No. Like, that is like something that's like orchestrated by professionals. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't like the, I, I wonder if we'll ever even know the true story of how that went down and who called who. Uh, uh, and it really is uh, remarkable. I really wonder how it went. The down. only way we'll know is if Biden loses. 
if Biden loses, then somebody's going to say something because then then there will be hurt feelings that somebody had a plan that didn't work. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, but but otherwise, if Biden wins, we'll never know. Uh, all right. Here. So I want to float this this theory by you because uh, uh, I, I uh, met up with you and, and your wife when you guys were canvassing for Bernie in Vegas. Uh, and that was a massive win, 20-plus point mm -hmm. win for Bernie. It is my opinion that if that were closer, if let's say Bernie won by 10 points, right? Let's mm -hmm. say there was a stronger showing by Pete Buttigieg, that maybe we don't get the panic that the establishment felt that gives him that gives Biden the Clyburn endorsement and then has the you know execute order 66 moment after that leading into Super Tuesday, that it was it was this momentum by Bernie Sanders and the fact that Super Tuesday was going to be a roll up. I mean, if, if there was going to be a Bernie Sanders nomination, it was dependent on Super Tuesday stacking up the kind of lead that well, could so not look, be like, surmounted. I, to my to my mind, I'm like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe. But then I'm also like, I think that all these people knew that uh, a, a big Sanders win on Super Tuesday would have like wrapped up the entire thing, even if it wasn't closer, even if it was closer in Nevada. Yeah. You know, like I think that everybody would have known that that's what's going to happen. And so it's like. When you actually start looking at that, then you like look back to like what the entire year looked like. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like the pol political professionals like, you know, know how, you know, this thing plays out, you know, like and I can have a look at like how this thing might play out. The first few uh, uh, results were not really a major surprise uh, uh, in any way. Like really the big surprise coming out of Iowa was just uh, um, how badly mishandled it was. Uh, yeah. And, you well, know, Pete, I Pete, guess Pete was, Pete was a surprise. Pete, 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 Pete being surprise, as, as also, game as you know, he was Pete, in Iowa and New Hampshire was a surprise. Yeah. But Pete, uh, like I, I, it was not as huge a surprise for me because that is where he like devoted his entire campaign infrastructure. Like sure. Pete was like, had like fundraised a lot of money uh, uh, and spent it all on Iowa and New Hampshire. And so, like, while he did out overperform, uh, uh, I, you know, still I personally and I, I think, you know, it was expected for Buttigieg to be strong in those states and to not be strong in the states after that, yeah. which is, you know, basically what That's happened, what happened. You, know <laughs> what I mean? uh, uh, you know, which kind of makes you wonder. You're like, well, then what the fuck was this campaign? Like, if you're only designed to do well in two states and then not anything further, I'm like, then what the fuck was this? You know what I mean? Like these people, like everybody on the campaign knows that this is like an impossibility like if you can't go past those first two states i guess it's just a resume builder you know what i mean yeah i mean i guess that was part of the reason why i thought he was going to be the coalescing point that at a certain mm. point biden would look so shaky which he did and yeah. he would perform so poorly which he did that at a certain point the powers that be would say all right uh we gave it the old college try with joe Let's, you know, uh, we know that Pete is underwater with black voters, but he'll look a lot better with black voters when we put Joe Biden and Obama next to him. So let's, I, I let's just go ahead and do think, that. I, like, I don't think you could have pulled that off with, with like, like, you know, with enough. Uh, I, I just actually don't think you could have pulled it off with yeah. Pete Buttigieg. That's actually like <laughs> what I think. It's just like. But I mean, but I also, maybe... but what's, what's the other side? The other side is that all these people that were from the Obama uh, White House that loathe Joe Biden and talk yeah. Joe Biden out of running are now betting the farm on him. And, and, well, like, I also I, I just think that it's like, well. Man, I you know I think that first of all I personally think that Obama liked Beto, uh, uh, and I think that that's why like the Pod Save guys were such Beto fans yeah. early on. Uh, yeah. And so I think this thing just kind of got away from them, and nobody you know caught fire. 
Yeah. Um, but the coalescing to Biden and, you know, it, and also, by the way, I, I would even like to say that uh, uh, I am, you know, he killed in South Carolina, but he was expected to kill in South Carolina. He overperformed in South Carolina. Um, but, you know, I, I you know, I, it doesn't like. Biden doesn't win without uh, uh, older black voters. And to my mind, it's like Biden's just going to win them because he was the vice president to the first black president. And that's like perfectly reasonable. And I understand it. You know what I mean? But that's sure. like why you could you you can't put together a coalition around Pete Buttigieg. You know what I mean? Like it just like like the, the the voters like don't really exist uh, uh, to get that <laughs> over the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I just I would have expected that they would take the the unscratched lottery ticket uh yeah. than the well known shoddy ship right yeah like, yeah you know, they, I, they, you they, know, they, I, they know exactly just... what they have in biden uh, uh real quick though before because we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the general election at the end of this okay. but i do want to talk more about kind of the legacy of where bernie is now and also in 2016 both were campaigns that I think will really kind of reverberate going forward. Obviously, 2016 reverberated a lot into 2020, not only moving the kind of Overton window of what is expected for a Democratic candidate to support, but also uh, really inspiring a couple candidates uh, that have out and out said that the only reason why they were even in uh, the race, either for the presidency or down ballot, were because of Bernie Sanders. Sure. In your mind, what is the legacy of, of uh, the 2020 campaign? Of the 2020 campaign, yeah. um, uh, you know, and this is me, uh, 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 you know, and I, you know, uh, and I'm just me, you know what I mean? But <laughs> I really think like, listen, I, I, I think that, you know, uh, uh, I think that these ideas, uh, uh, you know, and I honestly think like Medicare for all, you know, is, is, you know, is going, is, is already hyper popular and, you know, coming out of this COVID crisis and everything like that, it just feels more clear than ever. And, you know, just that sort of being as much in the sort of, uh, atmosphere, you know what I mean? Like just having Medicare for all being part of, you know, the, the zeitgeist for everybody and on the tip of everyone's tongue at a time like this, like that's a very, you know, that's a huge legacy, uh, uh for the 2020 campaign specifically. But for my mind, I think that the like lesson and the legacy of the 2020 campaign is actually, you know, to see how far like the the, the centrist Democrats will go to like blunt left movement. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think that like the 2020 campaign was really about all of these, you know, uh, uh, activist, you know, uh, uh, coalitions across the country attempting to do electoralism and attempting to like reform the Democratic Party. And for my mind, I think that perhaps on the national level, uh, uh, the Democratic Party is is, I, I you know, I don't know what is to be done. But a big lesson to take away from this is how like vehemently resistant the uh, uh, the center of the Democratic Party, uh, uh, who seem to wield all uh, of the uh, levers of power, are uh, uh, to to further left uh, policy and candidates. So then that the, the 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 lesson is is that 2016 he Bernie Sanders was nobody he was a laughing stock in D.C. He's just the guy that pr that promotes bills that never happen right yeah and then 2020. He fixes name recognition, fundraising, and momentum, and it's still a no. 
and, and on the and, ground organizing and on you know the ground I mean? organizing like, yeah and like just like straight up like literally like numbers of young voters like i think that the like what the like centrist like uh, uh coalescing looks like to me is like a big middle finger to democrat voters under the age of 50 years old you know what i mean like yeah. this is like the the center of the party say seeing like oh there's momentum happening here we have to actually stop it because we know better than all the young people in the party and I think that that's the big lesson here is that, like, you know, uh, uh, they will not allow reform. Uh, uh, and so we have to, like, force it. You so, know what I mean? Like, I honestly am like, you know, uh, uh, I guess you need a tea party before you can uh, uh, before you can elect someone. Yeah, that you have to have that, that really the head of the DNC is, you know, James Carville in his basketball shorts yelling on MSNBC. Like, I that, truly, that and is, also, that you know, uh, the, and also TV news, it. you know, yeah. uh, uh uh, uh, frankly, like needs to be impeached and go like TV needs to die, in my opinion. That's like another big lesson from this. All right, election. So here, uh, uh, unpack that because you mentioned it twice now. Uh, and and I'm I'm with you to a certain extent in that I have nothing but scorn and praise for television yeah. news because I, I do believe that it is it is news flavored infotainment. And it is sure. it is truly, truly. If you get the vast majority of your information from television news, you are yeah. doing the nation a disservice. Uh, yeah. But I don't know exactly how influential it is, and I'm getting the sense that you feel that it is very influential. I think that in this big coal, Joe Biden did not campaign in Super Tuesday states. Uh, Joe Biden <laughs> didn't campaign in nearly any of the states for Super Tuesday. Uh, uh, what the campaign for Joe Biden was in the like literally three days lead up to Super Tuesday because you have to remember that like he won South Carolina. I thought it wasn't going to work because it was like on too short a timeline. The only way this is for information like gets out to everybody. Yeah, I, I actually do think that like, you know, uh, uh, who, the, you know, in in those sort of dark days uh, for the Joe Biden campaign, like who was really running the campaign for him was like MSNBC and CNN. And I do think that like there are a lot of older voters who watch these fucking channels all the time. When I uh, uh, was canvassing in Michigan, you know, I actually canvassed like a retirement home and like every fucking person that opened the door had it tuned to the TV, the fucking cable news. You know, yeah. like I spoke to an older guy, uh, uh, not at a retirement home. He was just in his normal in, in, in his home in his home. Uh, uh, he had a Bloomberg sign still out front after Bloomberg had dropped out. This guy like felt like he was hyper informed, but it was very, very clear that he just watched a lot of television. And so, yeah. like, I really do think that, like, the TV news channels, especially with older voters, are doing a truly fucked up thing. And it's not just the Fox News voters. It's the MSNBC viewers, too, uh, um, you know, where they're basically selling these people, you know, that they get to feel informed by giving them fucking chat shows, you know, uh, uh, that basically, you know, uh, uh, only, you know, further the interests of the, like – you know, a uh, uh, million billion dollar corporations that like own these TV companies. You know, we don't have state media, but we have corporate owned media and we have like a, a state that is also like run by corporate interests. So at a certain point, like where where does that like what is the difference? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and as and as everybody scrambles for viewers, uh, uh, yeah. you narrow that view. 
like well, listen, uh, tighter like, and tighter. I think and tighter. what happened in 2016 was they were all scrambling for ratings, and that's why they were airing Trump. And then it was like, oops, accidentally TV news uh, elected Trump. I think this time they were like aware of what their power is, and they wielded it like over the course, really, of just like a three-week period to push Biden over the finish line. And I think that was a very, very big element of this. You got to remember that like Joe Biden's campaign is being run by SKD Knickerbocker, which is a PR firm. This isn't like a traditional presidential campaign. Like what SKD does is send out people to fucking like panel on TV shows. You know, Hillary Rosen, who got in all that trouble for telling uh, uh, Nina Turner that she had no call to raise uh, Martin Luther King. That's a partner at SKD Knickerbocker. It's like this is a different type of election. And I really do think that they won it, you know, uh, uh, with what they call earned media. But I would classify maybe as given media. Well, you know, I guess when you think about it like that, so let's look at that that big turn, right? Saturday, big Joe Biden win, and mm-hmm. expected, but a gaudy number, and you always yeah. want that in a campaign. Yeah. Sunday, Pete drops out, so now it's 12 mm-hmm. hours of the Pete dropped out show. Monday, mm-hmm. Klobuchar drops out, and there's uh you know the big rally in in Dallas uh with uh Beto, Beto and. Klobuchar yep. and and Pete had his own separate one because Klobuchar Pete has a weird separate one that Liz yeah. is fucking Liz is so weird about she's like it actually wasn't there it was at a fucking Applebee's like whatever dude. <laughs> yeah, it's like all right whatever I mean the only <laughs> thing that really I wanted out of that moment was for uh, uh, Klobuchar and Pete to stand next to each other and act <laughs> like they liked each other maybe that's why it happened in an Applebee's I that I act, no happen. no I genuinely believe that that's what happened <laughs> is that that there was like no way it's like all right look. If, if Pete's going to leave with more delegates than Biden and Klobuchar is going to leave where she was going to win her home state, which could be the <laughs> only little tchotchke she could bring away from her 2020 yeah. excursion into presidential politics, then, uh, then the last thing they were going to do is act like they're uh, one happy family. Right. But, but that's Monday and that's it. Right. That's all the TV. It's Saturday. Biden wins. Uh, uh, Sunday. Pete drops out. Monday. Massive rally. Tuesday. They vote. That's all. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I honestly think that like, you know, I was like, I was shocked that frankly, that, that the candidates who dropped out didn't receive a ton of votes. I was like, this is too quick. They're like trying to pull this off. People aren't even going to be aware. They're not like paying enough attention. People really did pay attention and they really showed up to vote for Joe Biden. Biden, Biden winning Massachusetts and winning uh, Minnesota was shocking to me. Like I, well, I, I would have, I would have into that shit. I'm like, you know, the Massachusetts exit polls were massively off. These things do happen, but I'm like, man, there's a lot of really fucked up weird shit that went on in this election. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even, like aside from the centrist coalescing there, like these last few, like since Illinois, we have been sending people out during a fucking pandemic. You know what I mean? Like, well, I like, mean that's 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 a whole. Nother, I mean, it's a like whole a whole separate thing. thing. Yeah. I'm just like when we're when you're talking about like what went on in this election, I'm just like it is mind-boggling. Every event of this election, like from the first thing being like Iowa used some fucking app that was made by guys <laughs> that like are from like know the crooked media guys, and it like caused everything to go way slower, and it's just like every step of the way is just like mind-boggling insanity. <laughs> it was it was dude, it was so crazy just being on the ground and Iowa. So Iowa obviously it's total uh uh you know nonsense and yeah. nobody knows anything. And so I'm at this bar like 
up until close, basically. It's like, like 2 o'clock in the morning. I got to fly out at like 6. And the only people there are all people that were canvassing for different campaigns. Uh, the Biden people were despondent. Like, they <laughs> just uh, – uh, I, I, I looked over because all, we all eventually start talking to each other. And I'm like, man, you guys got the only gift because you were about to take a massive L and it would yeah. be the only thing anyone would talk about. And he's like, yep, we'll take it. Like, no. like they knew no. it. They knew it. They knew that yeah. that was going to be the story. It isn't, right? New Hampshire, he leaves. He leaves the state. He does yeah. lying dog face pony soldier and then leaves the state while people are still voting. He doesn't yeah. even eat the L there. He leaves before, which I thought I blistered him on the show because I'm like, this is cowardly. You should. Oh, he was should. like done. Yeah, he seemed done. He I, And like, he seemed so done that you're like, what? Well, like, it just, it's like. It was such a good rope-a-dope. You know what I mean? It was like everyone was all focused on the other candidates, and then it was just like all of a sudden it's Biden. Like what? Like what? Biden? Where the fuck did Biden come from? <laughs> like where it's was like this Biden? Guy? This guy? This guy? This and even guy. talking to other, uh, the other reporters that were covering him. It's not a secret, man. Like, yeah. like th this – he was meandering. He was all <laughs> over the place. I'll give – I mean, number one – uh, I can understand why this PR firm took over his campaign because yeah. they're, they might be the only people that can tell him what to do. Because before, his campaign staff was terrified of him. He was the only person that actually took live questions because uh, uh, the <laughs> Bernie rallies were too big. And yeah. uh, uh, everybody else did some magic trick of like Elizabeth Warren had a lottery and Pete had a, right. a fish bowl where they took out questions that were <laughs> obviously planted. Uh, but uh, Biden would just take random questions and just suck ass. Yeah, he would yeah. just be terrible at them. Ugh. Anyway, uh, all right. So let's let's take a look toward the general. Sure. Um, right now, Biden polling uh, ahead of Trump uh, uh, in general election polls for whatever that means this early and during a yeah. pandemic. Uh, but the the thing that specifically you have keyed in on, and a lot of other. Bernie folks have keyed in on is uh, the enthusiasm. There is like underwater enthusiasm for Biden compared to Trump. Yeah, look, uh, uh, and, you know, if you compare it against uh, the enthusiasm for Hillary Clinton around this time, Hillary I, was actually like, I think in like the 60s and Trump was like in the mid 50s. Yeah. So Trump has like basically maintained pretty much the exact same enthusiasm level as since the 2016 campaign, which is, you know, the sort of like conventional wisdom about Trump is that he's got a very, you know, passionate Loyal base yeah. and he doesn't really expand that base or whatever. Now, the issue with Biden is he does not even have a passionate base. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. the issue it seems with Biden is that I, to my mind, I think that they just wanted to beat Bernie and that was really the enthusiasm around Biden was like people that are never Bernie people. You know what I mean? And now yeah. we're just like, well, uh, here we are, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm surprised even at the 24 percent number for enthusiasm about Biden. That feels yeah. high to me. It feels very high. I mean, and, and you would probably guess that part of that is just because that's enthusiasm generated by loathing of Trump. Like, because there is, he is a very divisive candidate and you would yep. assume that, that it's like, okay, well there's 20% who would be enthusiastic about a rock. Right. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. I mean, you know, Trump is like uniquely animating, but you know, we saw Ooh. last time that like the, you know, the campaign was kind of just to not be Trump and 
you don't necessarily that's not a winning uh, campaign. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't a winning campaign with Kerry and it wasn't a winning campaign with Romney. It's you know yeah. those those historically the I'm not him campaigns. Uh, and in my opinion, I also think that a lot of the time, uh, uh, I think a lot of times when you see it's not it's not universal, but like when an election becomes a referendum on someone and you're just always talking about that person, they like win the election. You know, that's yeah. part of the reason why I thought that Sanders would have been a good candidate against Trump is that I think that the whole fucking election would have become about like socialism and trying to scare people about socialism and communism and all this kind of stuff. It, yeah, and it, I actually think that that's positive. I think if all the coverage was like about scary Sanders or whatever, like then you get the fucking spotlight off of Trump. Now it's going to be nothing but Trump. Like when Biden speaks, he's only ever going to be talking about Trump from his like basement, you know, <laughs> which yeah. is a whole extra thing. If we're looking ahead to the general, what the scenario is right now is that the general is happening exclusively on television and the Internet, uh, and Trump is doing it from, like, the press room at the White House with the, like, COVID squad. Those are his press rallies. And, and Biden is doing them on, like, Zoom meetings, you know, from his basement. Um, and, you know, Trump already, you know, now that Bernie has dropped out, you see the Trump, like, uh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, uh, the, uh, you know, that Brad Parscale put out an yeah. ad today that is, like, Number one, painting Biden as being just as much a scary socialist as Bernie. They're like, he believes all the same things. And then it ends with a tag. Uh, and this is what it's going to look like. It ends with a tag where Biden's got his head in his hands. And it says, at least Bernie remembers his positions. It's yeah. like they're just going to go there. like, And that's what it's going to be nonstop for the primary. This is like not a pack ad. This is a, you know, approved this is, by yeah, Donald this is, J. This, J. Is, this is from, ad, you yeah. know? Yeah, they they are not going to shy away from from mental regression uh, yeah. uh, as a as a campaign and attack. If you saw if you saw Trump at his campaign rally, the fucking COVID briefing, you know yeah. what I mean? If you saw him the other day at his campaign rally, uh, uh, the COVID briefing, one of the reporters asked him, you know, what do you think? But Biden tweeted about you, and Trump was like, he didn't write that. Like Democrat <laughs> operatives write that. Like he doesn't fucking write anything. If he's watching this, he doesn't understand it. I'm like, God damn, like they're. They are going to fuck this man up so bad. I can't even like believe it. You know, uh, uh, like they're going to fuck this man up so bad. Like, you know, y there's you see there's a lot of talk like you see, you know, even from centrists, there's a lot of talk about like, oh, what about like switching out for Cuomo? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't even see Cuomo or anyone wanting to do that because I think this election's a real loser at this point. Well, you know, it's going to be and that would be a real <laughs> I mean. That'd be a crazy idea to swap out uh, the person that has the nomination based on the most delegates uh, for somebody yeah. that uh, oversaw run. oversaw the epicenter of the pan of yeah. the global. Well, also, pandemic. by the way, like everybody's excited about Cuomo today in a month. And, you know, this is I don't say this lightly. This is not a joke, but in a month. There'll be like a hundred thousand dead in New York. You know what well, I mean? Well, yeah, like and that's the, that's my the enthusiasm thing. Enthusiasm might wear off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's know? like <laughs> I, I I get it that look, he's doing the more traditional leader thing, and he's yeah. he's not doing a big open press conference, and he's staring down a camera, and he's reading stats, and and that's comforting to people in a moment of chaos. Also, there's a very good chance that when all this is over, fifty percent of all the casualties are from his state. Yeah. Like. Yeah, that's, look, I, and you know, that's I also hard. That, that's like, hard big, to get over. He, he's do, he's de de doing better than Trump, but that's a very, very low bar. I do think Cuomo's done a lot bad, actually, sort of like just in his legislating over this and yeah. overseeing it and everything like that. Uh, uh, but I would also say that, like, 
I think that a big part of the like Cuomo buildup is just because all we don't have local news anymore. All of news is centered is, in New York, yeah. and so for them, it's really, really important to see the New York governor. It's really inspiring. Um, the rest of us, it maybe just isn't as much because we don't fucking live in New York. You know? Yeah, exactly. And look, I'm not a fan of Gavin Newsom. But it seems like our mortality rate is pretty low. I'm and like, we- honestly, like not a fan <laughs> of Gavin Newsom either or fucking Garcetti here in L.A. But I'm like, yeah, our curve is doing pretty good over here. Yeah, you know what I mean? it seems, so seems like, I don't know, better. I would uh, maybe maybe I think about uh, you know looking at that. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Jack Allison, thank you so much. Uh, uh, where can people find more of you? Well, uh, I did the Struggle Session podcast, and that's the best way to find that is at uh, patreon.com slash struggle session. And I do a daily uh, morning uh, show with my wife on Twitch uh, uh, called Jack AM. It's at 7 a.m. Pacific uh, every weekday, and that's at twitch.tv slash Jack AM. Thanks again uh, for having me. It's good to, good to be back. Always, buddy. Talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later on. Bye. One quick thing before we wrap up. Jack mentioned in the interview that there is a new Trump ad that went up right after Bernie announced that he was done. But I want to take you back for a second before I play that ad for you. This was during the Democratic primary debate in Houston. This was specifically a back and forth between Julian Castro and Joe Biden about Medicare for all and whether or not their plans would force people to opt in. They do not have to buy in. They do not have to buy in. You just said that. You just said that two minutes ago. You just said two minutes ago that they would have to buy in. You said they would have to buy in. to buy in. If she qualifies for Are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? Listen to that crowd reaction. Oh, they're so... Oh, I can't believe. I can't believe you made fun of him. I can't believe you insinuated that he can't remember that he's old and that he might be slipping. I can't believe you did that. Julian, I can't believe it. Here's the ad posted by Trump campaign strategist, head strategist. He's the guy running the campaign. Campaign manager, Brad Parscale. Compare Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders on the issues. Both support sanctuary cities. Both support raising taxes on the middle class. Both support free health care for illegal immigrants. Both support eliminating all fossil fuel use like oil and gas. Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, a big government socialist and a big government liberal. They're more alike than you think, but at least Bernie remembers his positions. Welcome to the big leagues, Joe. That about wraps it up for us today. A reminder, you can head to TakePoliticsSeriously.com if you want to support us. Email me, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Justin R. Young, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. I want to thank our Titanic $10 tier. They are in no particular order. Brad, Miranda, Janelle, Emily, Glenn, Wolf, Brand, Chili Scoop, Thor, Nomadic, Turan, ya boy, Craig, Robert, Olin, and Angela, Dustin, Richard, Kilowatt, Darren, Daily Tech News Show, Milk Leg, Scope, Jay Milius, Paul Thompson, Jonathan, Scott, The Gen, Nicholas, Adam, Zach, Chad, Andrew, Peter, Nick, Frozen, Jim, DL, Lindsay, Steven, Adam, D-Laser, and Middle-Aged Mike. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying politics has three names and 
I know a show that talks about politics. I know another one that talks about politics. And I saw something on TV covering politics. But this is the only show that talks about all Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>